best way to start your day. Good morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Chat here on WBOX 1460 AM, my favorite radio station. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for tuning in. Hope to have a nice show for you today. We have an interesting guest, Derek Howard. Derek Howard, he's coming on at 815, is uh, a guy who runs a blog for the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Okay, it's called sbunfurled.com. Also, you can find him on Twitter at sbunfurled. Derek Cowell will come in and talk about St. Bonaventure. Why St. Bonaventure? Because that's where I went after high school. Uh, my freshman year, I attended St. Bonaventure. Great school. I uh, really enjoyed my time there. Probably too much. We could talk about that later. All right, College Hoops Chat. Tonight, first of all, let me say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever holiday you're celebrating uh, and Happy New Year, okay? I hope everybody's doing fine today. Uh, have a great, safe week. Be careful. The virus is still going on out there. I'm just hanging out in my house and watching sports. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I recommend you do the same. All right, so it's been kind of hard lately to find college basketball games to watch. There's been kind of, not exactly a shutdown, because some schools are still playing, but most schools are not playing. It seems that after everybody has been through this uh, COVID nightmare and these colleges are trying to get through it and keep these kids healthy, uh, keep the, the coaches and the staff healthy. It seems like everybody kind of shut down uh, for Christmas and uh, New Year's week. So there hasn't been a lot of games on. There are some, there's been some games, just not the volume of games. For instance, I root for seven college basketball teams, okay, seven, that I try to watch games and follow. Not one has played since last Wednesday. Uh, that, of course, was Iona College. Our local team played last Wednesday um, against Coppin State and got a nice win. A nice win for Iona. But since last Wednesday, that Iona game, I haven't been able to turn on a college basketball team for the seven teams that I root for. So I guess that kind of makes the case that a lot of teams are taking breaks uh, this week. Now, if you're looking for a game to watch... Tomorrow, tomorrow, folks, the Iona Gales are playing. They're playing Townsend, uh, uh, a good team from Maryland. That's going to be a real challenge for Iona. Uh, Certainly not an automatic win. It's going to be a tough battle for Iona. It's 3 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, You can find the game uh, at either ESPN Plus or ESPN 3. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you can stream it tomorrow at the ESPN website, either if it's ESP, as I always tell you, if it's ESPN Plus, you have to pay a subscriber fee. If it's ESPN Three, it's free. So uh, tomorrow you can watch a local college basketball game uh, in the great city of New Rochelle, uh, Townsend at Iona at three p.m. Now we've been talking a lot on this show in prior weeks about Gonzaga. 
All right, Gonzaga. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, or some people call them uh, the Zips. Uh, but they're 7-0. and And they got another big win. And I've said last week that I don't think Gonzaga's going to lose a game in the regular season. Okay? They've already won a bunch of big games. They beat Iowa, beat West Virginia, big-time college basketball teams. This weekend, they played the reigning champs. Uh, of course, when I say reigning champ, I mean back to 2019, uh, University of Virginia, because 2020, of course, we don't have an NCAA basketball champion because of COVID, right? There were no, there was no NCAA tournament. So going back to 2019, UVA is still the champs. Well, they're a good team. They're one of the better teams in the ACC, which is one of the better conferences in the nation. Maybe the second best conference in the nation, ACC. And UVA, University of Virginia, it's a really good team. Really good team. Well, Gonzaga went out this weekend and crushed them 98-75. to I'll say it again. 98-75, to Gonzaga crushed University of Virginia. They're now 7-0, and they continue to roll along. Uh, uh, they continue to roll along and uh, just pretty much beat anybody that shows up on the court against them. So keep an eye out for Gonzaga. Okay, so let's go to our guest. He's already called in. Um, so let me say hello and good evening, Derek Howard from SB Unfurled. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I'm actually, uh, full disclosure, sitting in a car in an alleyway in Olean, New York, because I'm out for to, to watch the Bills, my Buffalo Bills, uh, lay waste to the New England Patriots, which, which I can confidently say for the first time in 20 years, thankfully. It is pretty exciting, right, to have the Buffalo Bills be the power in the AFC East and be able to not only win the division, but finish up the season by beating uh, the Patriots. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, Derek. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, you know, the last 20 years, obviously, the Patriots just dominated the AFC East. So it's it's good to, uh, especially this year when I hardly have any Bonnie's hoops going on, this is the year I would want this to happen because the Bills, honestly, it's usually the other way around. The Bonnies are getting me out of uh, the the depression of the Bills. Now it's the other way around. Uh, not not many Bonnies games, but the Bills are doing well. Listen, and let me let me explain to you how much I know what you're saying, Derek. I'm a Jets fan. Do I need to say oh. more about losing in the AFC East, including this year? <laughs> I don't even have this year like yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear about the the. You being a Jets fan, I, they do have some young talent. I think they can maybe turn it around soon. But that, I, I have a lot of friends who are Jets fans. I didn't know if you were being in the Westchester, New York area, if you were Giants or Jets, because uh, the Giants do. The, I mean, they do have some big wins over the past, but not so much the Jets. I agree. All right, let's ju- let, enough with football because we could do a whole show on that. Let's yeah. get into the St. Bonaventure Bonnies now. Uh, for uh, information purposes, I went to St. Bonaventure my freshman year. Did you go there, Derek? I went there for six years, yes. Wow, six years. So that's five <laughs> years more than me. I went there in my freshman year, and I was, uh, this is 1981 and 82, and I lived in Devereaux Hall. Now, you must know that back in those days, I don't know about your days, Devereaux Hall was kind of a wild place. I don't know if you ever heard the stories. About Devereaux Hall was like, uh, they used to call it the Sweat Hogs and like Animal House and all that sort of thing. What's Devereaux Hall like now? I never actually lived in Devereaux Hall. A lot of sophomores lived there when I was there. I never lived there. 
I think it's the best building on campus. I actually, during the summer, I'll go and just walk around campus, clear my mind. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful, I, I, not only the best building on campus, maybe the best building in like the entire area in southwestern uh, New York State. And, well, it's huge. It's a really big uh, yeah. building. And it's not, it's, it's old architecture compared to like some of the other dorms. That's the way it was when I was there. I'm sure it's still that way, right? Unchanged, unchanged. Yeah. Even probably to the chagrin of some of the students who live there, I feel like the dorm rooms and the showers and everything is still probably unchanged as well. I don't think it's been through any uh, major renovations. So, but yeah, I mean, just from the outside, just a beautiful uh, historic building. It is. Well, when I was there, it was like Animal House on the inside. And uh, maybe right. I partied too much, so I did not go back my sophomore year. But I've been rooting <laughs> for uh, the Bonnies my whole life. I've never given up being a Bonnies fan. Good. And nor should you. I mean, especially now. And you went there. You probably saw some good teams if you were there in the early 80s with Mark Jones and Mark Jones Barry Mungar and those he was guys. Terrific. Yeah, I mean, you saw some good teams. And he, now they, they had a little bit of a down period there, but they're back. And they're, you know, for the last, I think they're the only team in the Atlantic 10 for the last six years that have double-digit wins. And they've been in the top tier of the Atlantic 10 with Dayton, VCU, and Davidson for, you know, over a half decade now. No question. I, I've been following Bonnie's every year. I go every year to one game. I go to the Fordham game because it's local here. And every yep. year, pretty much, I get to watch the Bonnie's beat Fordham. So that's pretty cool. Um, yep. And yell and scream. And you'll you'll probably get a kick out of this, Derek. But when you go to the St. Bonaventure Fordham games, we always have more fans than they do. Oh, absolutely. And you can tell on TV, too. And that's not just Fordham. That's at Duquesne. That's several other places around the A-10 and around... Uh, the area, whether it's Canisius, Niagara, uh, UB, you know, Bonnie's fans travel. It's, it's a small school, a small alumni base. Enrollment's only around 2,000, but our fans are so passionate. So and true. pound for pound, I mean, the, some of the most passionate fans in the country, and they travel very, very well. And, and even not just Fordham, but if you go to the Barclays Center for the A-10 tournament, one of the best represented teams there. True. All right, so I got a question for you. Because I, I, yeah. I, I haven't, I hope someday in my life to go back to the Riley Center to watch a basketball game. But in the meantime, when I was there, okay, that's 81, 82, it was an incredibly loud gym. The students, even, even the adult fans made a difference. It was one of the la- louder gyms. And I'll tell you, I was watching ESPN the following year after I left the Bonnies, um, and they had a, um, a ranking of the loudest gyms. They actually got some device in the gyms and they checked the, the sound levels. And St. Bonaventure was like in the number eight. I got stuck. I kind of remember that. Number eight in the nation for loudest gym. Is that still yep. true? It is. It is true. And I mean, the only thing that's changed really is they took the fan, the student section. If you remember, the student section was standing, the front row was standing on the court. And they were, uh, there's pictures of players from the other team falling into the stands and the students like yelling at them and grabbing them. And I mean, it was, the students were right on top of you. The only thing that's changed is there's now a row of fold up chairs, um, right on the court. Okay. And that, that happened because the students rushed the court during a VCU game and actually cost us the game. Um, other than that, loudest, yeah. It, and the players will tell you, players who have played in the NBA and, and tons of other arenas. A lot of players will say it's the loudest building they've ever played. And when it's really rocking and students are there and it's a packed house, it's, it, it, it really is one of the loudest arenas in the country. No question. And I remember it, and I was screaming, and I even remember, ready for this one, we were playing uh, on ESPN 
uh, right? That's when Ace Penn was just getting rolling, right? Back yeah, in the early yeah. 80s. And uh, we were playing on against Rutgers, who was very good back then. And I painted my face brown and white for the game with my roommates. How about that? <laughs> and I think that also was the, that's the last time I believe Syracuse played in the Riley Center. It was 1981. They don't come here anymore. Um, we have to go there to beat them. So I, I saw that. If yeah, you I remember that. that, I think that is the last time. I think Bayheim was still on the sidelines. 1981, I believe, was the last year that the Orange came to uh, Olean. Yes, yes, that's true. All right, so great historical tradition, you know, going yep. back to Buffalo Bob Lanier leading to the Final Four. And, of course, he got hurt, so we didn't get to win mm-hmm. the national championship. We would have. Um, we also won. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, uh, Derek, um, I was impacted. I knew St. Bonaventure was a strong basketball school when I was picking a college because while I was in high school, they won the NIT in 1977. Yes. A terrific yep. team. So, you know, St. Bonnie's yep. had some tradition when I was looking at college, you know, in the early 70s, I think it was 1970 or 70, 70 71 or 69, 70 with Lanier. We went to the Final Four. Um, yep. And then in 77, they, they won the NIT, which was – NIT was strong then because there was only 32 teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, exactly. So, so when they won the NIT, that was quite uh, an accomplishment. And then when I got there, they were still very good. Like you said, Mark Jones was a pro. Um, right. So it was a great time for the Bonnies. But the beauty thing is Mark Schmidt has brought back the program uh, 19 and 12 last year. Um, you know, they, they got a, 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 some really good seasons in a row now. And here's the point. Most of the team from last year's 19 and 12 team that probably would have had a shot to win the Atlantic 10, they're back. The starters are all back. That's pretty exciting. It is. And, I, I mean, up until a couple years ago, people, most people would probably say Larry Weesey was the best coach in Bonas history. He's the coach who took them to the Final Four with Bob Lanier. I think now a majority and maybe even a large majority of people will say that Mark Schmidt is the best coach that we have ever had, especially in the modern day and in this college basketball landscape, what he does from recruiting to developing players, to X's and O's on the court, I think he is the best coach that we have ever had. I agree, um, and I, I, and, and I'm not saying this as a victim of the moment. Uh, I have a very, uh, I have an understanding of our history, and I know how good Weesey was. But I will say Schmidt is the best coach we've ever had. And to talk about what we're we are returning, um, probably the only team in the entire country with a nine-man class. We have nine juniors on our team. Last year, we were very sophomore heavy. We only had one senior, Amadi Pizzi, who really just a role player, didn't make much impact. He was a backup guy. All of our, I think like 98% of our minutes and 95% of our scoring is returning this year and will return next year, hopefully. Yes, it's a very exciting time for the Bonnies. Now, um, listen, before we get, let's take a, let's take a commercial break for you. Why don't you tell people about your website and your podcast and your work on Twitter, where where I found you, right? I've been following you for a couple of years now as an old Bonnie fan. Uh, Tell us about what you're doing as one of really the lead people in uh, letting people learn about what's going with St. Bonaventure basketball. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, It's just at SB Unfurled. Unfurl is in the Bonaventure fight song, and the hashtag is that the school goes by is Unfurl, so I just... You know, took that and combine it with SBU. So you can find me at SB Unfurled. Um, I have a really, uh, I, I think, a really fun, funny podcast. We keep it lighthearted. We don't t- go into too much X's and O's. We try to, you know, keep people interested and engaged in, in funny things that are going on. Um, that's called SB Unfurled and Friends. 
And as far as my Twitter account, I, I do graphic design and I just wanted to kind of add something different than what you normally see in print. You know, instead of reading articles, I, I like to do visual previews. So you'll get a ton of visual previews um, and just uh, infographics on not just the Bonnies, but the entire uh, Atlantic 10. It's really, really great work. I've been following you for a couple of years now. You, and I have to be honest with you. Yeah, thanks to you, I understand what's going on with the Bonnies better. So I've been following you on Twitter. <laughs> I uh, checked out your good. podcast. Really good stuff. And I listened to your latest podcast uh, before the show to get ready. It was a really f- uh, fun show. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. No problem. All right. So let's just, if we can, because not everybody probably knows as much as you and I about the Bonnies. Let's give a little introduction here. I'll do it and then we'll let you jump into it. So unfortunately for the, for the Bonnies, they've only got to play two games so far. Two of their games against St. Francis and Buffalo uh, got canceled. Um uh, so they played on December 15th against Akron. I watched the game, 81-74 victory. And then December 19th, four days later, they also got a nice victory against a, a, a good Hofstra team, 77-69. to So they played two games. They're 2-0. and Now, we're about to get some tests real fast. Um, yeah. this, this, this week, right, the, the third game of the season is going to be Wednesday, December 30th at 4 p.m. They're playing at Rhode Island. Uh, that'll be a challenge. Roland's got a pretty good team. They do, and I, and Mark Schmidt will tell you too. There are no easy games in the Atlantic Ten. I think we got a double. Well, we were fifth in the A Ten last year. Almost got a double bye, and we went to overtime in Fordham. So if you say you go to Fordham games, you were probably there. I don't know if you went last year. I did. But Fordham took us to overtime. So, I was I mean, there. There really are no easy games. Uh, in the Atlantic 10, uh, there are no sure victories. So especially after only having two games, usually on December 30th, we'll have 12 or 13 games under our belts. We only have two. And the lack of practice and cohesiveness and the guys going home and coming back and, you know, maybe being a little out of shape, it didn't look like we were uh, a great second-half team in the first two games. I think that could play a big factor because Rhode Island played a very tough non-league schedule and across the country, I mean, some teams have nine or ten games under their belts, and a team like Siena hasn't even played a game yet. And the Bonnies are on the lower end of that spectrum with only two games. So, I mean, we we do have some advantages where we have all those returning guys like we talked about, and we are very experienced. But the two games only being played, not only does it kind of hurt what we thought would hopefully be an at-large season, um, best case scenario, but I mean, just even going into games like this in a tough Atlantic 10, uh, it, it'll be a real test for us, I think. It will be. So that's Wednesday at 4 p.m. Um, and I agree with you. I do think it's going to be a challenge for the Bonnies to play at a high level after only playing two games. Uh, and I, and the reason I say that is some of the other teams I follow, I've seen them play differently in their fourth or fifth game as they did in their first or second game. They just needed to be on the court, particularly with the shortened practice season. Normally, schools start in September. They start in October this year. They lost a month of practice. Uh, teams are having a little trouble getting up to speed, and I, I am concerned about the Bonnies uh, jumping into not only Rhode Island on Wednesday, but this Saturday against possibly the first or second best team in the Atlantic 10, Richmond at 4 p.m. on Saturday, that's going to be a tough one on the road. Yeah, it is. And I, I, it is going to be tough, but at the same time, these are the games that I want us to play right now because if we do want to move our way up in all of these rankings and maybe get on people's radars, 
we have to beat the Richmonds and the St. St. Louis's of the league. And luckily we play Richmond twice and we play St. Louis twice. We do have a tough conference slate. So um, I, I would like it to be a little later in the year because of our slow start, uh, not wins wise, but just playing wise. Um, but yeah, it, it does provide good opportunities for, for big wins. All right. So let's tell the fans a little bit. I'll do the intro again and you'll jump in and fill in all the details. But when I watched the Akron game, and I watched last year as well, I wasn't able to catch the Hofstra game, so I watched one of the two games. But uh, what's been pretty clear is what we see in all the previews online. I read a bunch of the previews for St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure is kind of a three-headed monster. They have three really strong players, uh, Kyle Lofton and Dom Welch. And then the third one, um, Oshun. Did I say it right? Did I say it right, yeah, the name? you did. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. So his... So do, can you do his whole name for us? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Um, could you do his full name for us? Oshun Oshuni. Okay, thank you. I was I wanted you to do it so I didn't make a mistake, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. He's terrific. Yep. In the Akron game, I saw 25 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, Kyle Lofton, who I was really impressed with last year, 17 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, and Don Welch, 18 points, 5 rebounds. Uh, four assists. These are three really good players. They are, and uh, that's what you need, especially at those positions. Uh, I think we're pretty much set at the point guard, at the three, the small forward, and at the five. And even at the two, we have some really, really good players like Jaron Holmes, Alejandro Vasquez, and a transfer, Anthony Roberts from Kent State. So Mark Schmidt has his kind of like a, a revolving door of two or three guards that he can pull mix and match depending on the matchups if the defense is playing zone or man or if someone's ice cold he can there's a lot of options there the issue is in the spot that i think that lost us games last year is the four spot um at, at the power forward we're not as deep there so I, the key to this season i think is someone stepping up in the four spot but as far as all of those other guys you're absolutely right Lofton was a first-team All-Conference player last year. Oshun Oshuni was second-team All-Conference, maybe the best defensive player, and one of the biggest game-changers, even like doing things that don't show up in box scores, but knowing when to take a charge, leading the nation, top five, top ten in blocks, um, just a, a, a monstrous defensive presence down low. And then Welch, he's been maybe our best player through, through two games, so... Um, another just great all-around player, a good rebounder at 6'5", a uh, good defender. And if he can get his shot, a little streaky last year, but if he can get that consistent, you're looking at a team that could be top three in the Atlantic 10 this year. I agree. When you looked at all the pre- preseason previews, uh, I, I just did a kind of a check on my way in today. They uh, All of the six different uh, websites that did preview of the Atlantic 10, they were anywhere from two to five. I probably think of my I think of them as three or four, but it kind of fits right into where they were ranked. I think they got a real shot to be a player in the Atlantic uh, ten this year and make a run at the conference championship. I do too, and the top four spot is so important in the Atlantic ten because that is a double buy in Brooklyn. Uh, so you don't play uh, Wednesday or Thursday. You don't play until Friday, and you need to win three games to win. Um, not many teams can win four games in four days. So that double buy, getting in that top four, is always so important in this conference. And, you know, that's probably what we need to do to get in this year. Unfortunately, I don't know how well, uh, how good our at-large chances are with only two games in the non-league right. and then 
you know, playing in, in right. the Atlantic 10, which is usually a two, three, at best, four-bid league. All right, so that's the music in the background. Number one, Garrick, you are terrific. Thank you so much for being on the show, and I hope you'll come back next month or so and give us another update on St. Bonnie's. Absolutely. Go Bonnies. Thank you. Go Bonnies. Thank you, Derek Coward from SB Unfurled. You did a great job. All right, folks, we're going to our commercial break, and we'll be back for the next segment of the show. I'm Jim Masato, and this is College Hoops Chat. Jim Masano back at College Hoops Chat for the second half of the show. Um, I believe we have our caller calling in at this very minute. You know who it's going to be. Uh, our regular caller, Kenny from Rye, is calling in. Uh, Kenny from Rye, are you there? I am. I am, James. All right, so how are you doing today? Good, how you doing? Good. So how about those bodies? They're sounding pretty good, right, Ken? You heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what we had talked about in the beginning of the year. We expect them to be right there on, you know, you know probably two, three land, as they were saying. He's got two tough games, though, right off the bat, as you guys were mentioning, with regards to um, uh, URI and Richmond in the first two games out of the gate after not having, you know, too many you know, warm-up games, as you say, in, in this league. And obviously, how many practices they have are up for debate as well. I agree. All right, so go Bonas. Uh, it's exciting to have a, a school that I attended uh, to be really good this year in the Atlantic 10. And two shout-outs to two Bonnies that are out there. Uh, I, they both may be listening. Uh, uh, Nancy Freyer and Katie Stevens, uh, both great Bonnies fans. Let's give them a shout-out. All right, so uh, Kenny from Rye, what do you, what's on your mind today in college basketball? Well, you know, as we talked about it, it, it's been a tough week from a perspective of there's not, not too much going on as, as we had uh, some teams kind of shutting it down and then reorganizing their schedule to have some games after the Christmas holiday. Uh, some teams went home, as, uh, you know, Duke has mentioned, that they were going to let the kids go home, and uh, Villanova did as well, and that had some success and some not success, which, which we've discussed as well. So uh, it is interesting to see what, what, what will happen going forward um, and I think after the first of the year, if we can get these teams off these protocols, we'll start to have a little bit of a normal schedule. It's going to be hard, Ken. You know, I mean, uh, the vac- unfortunately, the, until everybody gets the vaccine, people are going to keep getting COVID. Uh, you know, the problem is that it's not just the players. You know, if a staff member, a coach, a trainer, anyone around the players gets it, they get shut down for like 10 days. You know, they're able to test out of it now a little earlier than 10, but... It could still be seven, eight days you get shut down. Uh, that's going to happen, I think, in January, February, because it's pretty clear, right? Everybody's not going to have a sh- uh, the vaccine by then. No, and I think that we found that out very quickly with Villanova. Jay canceled the uh, December 30th game and sent the kids home and thought it was a good idea, and then turned around and the, and the staff got it. I mean, not, not only Jay got it and had some symptoms, but some of the other staff as well. So they are shut down till at least the 5th of January, um, and that, that's including not only the staff, but also the players. And so the players will have to come back, have to go through protocol. 
no practice for the next uh, five to ten days, that doesn't help us well. And then you're right into the meat of the schedule. So it becomes more and more difficult as you cannot, as, as we've talked about, you cannot kind of keep pushing these games out. And then you're going to be forced to play more games in a, in a more condensed uh, time frame. All right. Absolutely well said. All right. Now it's time for you to do a shout out for the Nixon family. Um, your son's college, Northwestern, got another big win. Tell everybody about it. Well, we mentioned it last week. I mean, uh, from a perspective, it was a surprise due to the fact that their preseason rankings had Northwestern at the bottom. But from a perspective of, you've mentioned it a number of times, they're probably the best team, the best division and Division One college basketball men's uh, right now. Uh, that you know, from top to bottom, uh, Northwestern came out and had a big, you know, had a couple of big wins, and then most recently they had a big win over Iowa State with uh, you know basically a one point victory and. You know, a different person leading the team, and they talked about a number of times the depth on the team. He, 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 the coach Collins committed to these young guys last year. They struggled through last year, and then obviously it's paying dividends now. Well, I watched the game against Ohio State, and what was impressive was they were down. Uh, you know, at about five minutes ago, and they fought back to take the lead, and then held the lead down the stretch to a very frantic and solid, hard-playing Ohio State. Team, so that was a really good win for Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State was ranked in the top twenty-five at that point in time. So definitely another surprise victory from their standpoint in a brutally difficult uh, league. And so we'll have to see how that, that plays out after the first of the year as well. As they get right into the meat of the schedule and the quote-unquote warm-up games are over, and you're playing basically a, a Big Ten uh, competitor every night. Or every other night. No question. So I saw a graphic about Northwestern that they're three and zero, and it's the first time they in, in, in the conference three and zero in the Big Ten. It's the first time they started out three and zero since the nineteen sixties. Did you see that graphic I, they put up? I did. I saw that sixty seven sixty eight. So it puts it in perspective. Unfortunately, the fans don't have a, a chance to enjoy it. Hopefully, the alumni uh, uh, get a chance to see them on TV. Obviously, with the Big Ten Network now, it makes a big difference, and so. Uh, their audience will have to come, or their support will have to come by way of the airways, not, unfortunately, with, with people in the stands. No question. Um, all right, so a couple of the teams, I, I sent you an article so we could prepare. I took a look uh, and this really Busting Brackets, which is a terrific website, folks. If you like college basketball, check out Busting Brackets. Every day there's multiple articles with lots of detail about college basketball. Uh, they did an article today. Uh, we pointed out there's five teams playing really well, and not everybody's talking about them. And they mentioned the Missouri Tigers, the Ar- uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, uh, Xavier Musketeers, uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and Texas uh, Longhorns. Now, we talked about Rutgers last week on our show, uh, really off to a terrific start. Uh, again, in the t- very ho- difficult Big Ten Rutgers is really playing really well. Now, for you, Kenny, uh, being a Providence fan and alumni, uh, Xavier Musketeers are going to be a tough foe for your Providence Friars. Yeah, they've, they've come out. I should say out of nowhere, they're expected to be kind of in the middle of it, but they've got off to a great start. Um, they have been, quote-unquote, the surprise so far with being undefeated prior to the loss at Creighton, which was a good game. Uh, they lost a close one there, which was a slight disappointment, but you know, I guess you'd say if you want to put it in the realm of good losses, I mean, Creighton at the time was ranked fourth, so it's obviously a very, very good loss. And Xavier now is is in that pole of possibilities of some someone not only making the tournament, but making some noise in the tournament as well. Right, no question. Uh, Xavier looks good. And they, they did a lot of it through transfers. They got some top-notch 
transfers that are really found kind of part of the foundation of the team now. They've adjusted very quickly. So uh, Xavier is a team to watch out for uh, in the Big East. Now, the other two teams they talked about in this article, uh, which is not good for my son's school. Right? We've talked about your son's school, Northwestern. South Carolina is a very solid team, ranked kind of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh in a, in a tough SEC. But the Missouri Tigers are off to a great start. Uh, and the Arkansas Razorbacks were off to a good start. And, you know, it's interesting. It's Arkansas got a great coach, right? Um, they really turned around the program because they attracted a top-flight coach. Uh, he was the former coach in Nevada, uh, went to Arkansas. Uh, and 8-0 eight, eight, is the record now. Uh, they're a team to be reckoned with. You know, it's interesting. In that busting brackets uh, site that you mentioned, uh, each of What's great about the articles is they talk about the positive, and then they mention the, the second paragraph, pessimistic. And I think those teams, while they've done well, they have not played, you know, highly ranked teams, you know, in, in I you'd say, on the main stage. It's been mostly teams with losing records, and even the teams that have bigger names um, have, quote-unquote, losing records. One of the teams I want to give a shout-out to also, because I have a youngest one who goes to SMU, and they were one of the, one of the teams mentioned in there as well, as being 5-0 and and also – uh, having a victory over uh, the Gamecocks there as well. Absolutely. SMU is a good team, and um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think that the SEC, as we talk about the Big East having a strong year, we talk about uh, the Big Ten in a strong year. I don't think it's a particularly strong year in the SEC. A lot of talent went to the NBA out of the league in the last couple of years. Kentucky's a little bit down. So I still think South Carolina has a chance, but they can't get on the court. They had a COVID shutdown that got extended, Kenny. Uh, the Gamecocks uh, only got to play three games. They were not off to a good start, and they've been shut down for like three weeks. Yeah, I, I got to think that, as we mentioned, if, if that's going to happen for teams in the, let's say in the in the February part of the schedule, which is really with with this weird season, where, where you hopefully see the teams start to hit their stride, where they've had a number of practices under their belt, they've got a number of games, they've got a number of tough games. But if you get into a situation where a team gets into protocol and has to shut down for two weeks at that point in time and then possibly gets extended, it, it may be a point where some of these teams, like the Duke women's basketball team, decided to just to call it, call it a season because they look out and they say, okay, we're shut down for three weeks. It's going to take us a week to get back up and get our legs strong. And then and the season's kind of over at that point in time. So we could see a very, very unusual kind of late January, February schedule, as you mentioned, um, and obviously USC situation does not bode well for them from a perspective of three weeks of no practice, no games. Not a great situation heading into the meet of the uh, conference schedule. Yeah, and Siena. I don't think Siena's played a game yet. So they have not. According to, yeah, to the, what I've seen so far, uh, they've on tap to play some starting this week, but they have not played a game this year. And so that begs, that begs the question, how many practices have they had as well? Right. So South Carolina is supposed to play uh, this weekend against Florida A.M. and A&M, Florida A&M on Saturday. I still, I'm still not sure if they will be ready to play that game. Every game that's been scheduled has been canceled. And by the way, I, I, I imagine you get, it's kind of fun when your kid comes home from college, you get to watch his school on TV with them. I was really looking forward to watching a South Carolina Gamecock game uh, with my son, but so far we haven't been able to do that. No, it doesn't look like to be the case. I mean, from a perspective of this is now, if you're shut down in this period of time, it's taking you out till basically after the first week of January, as you mentioned. And if it's if it's an extended third week, it's only getting worse. And I think at some point, 
this is where we're just going to see the games canceled and not be able to get rescheduled. So USC is in a very, very difficult position. And so are the teams that are kind of lumped in there to play, to play them. They, you know, they don't want to skip, um, you know, competitive games either. The only difference for them is they can obviously have a practice to replace it. Right. So let's take it back to home uh, for a second while we wind down for this segment, Ken. Um, the one team I think that is on the right track from what we're seeing, and we, and we talk about them a lot on the show because they're the home, the home team, but Iona seems like they get better every game. The Patino coaching is working. The team's getting tighter. They're playing better defense. Uh, they're distributing the ball better. They're adapting to game situations better. Rick Patino is very shrewdly scheduling any game possible to get his guys on the court playing games. Uh, Iona, it seems like they're headed in the right direction. Well, I think one of the big benefits that I didn't appreciate when the beginning of the year was uh, in, in not seeing enough of the team last year, obviously, after a difficult season, is that, and Rick knew this coming in, is college basketball is guard-driven. And they have, they have a, a very, very solid backcourt. And I'm being, I'm being kind so far. We'll have to see when they get into the better competition. But, you know, um, they've had Ross has been the player of the week for three weeks in a row now, averaging, I think, well over 20 points a game. Um, and then now they've got their point guard back. So if you can get two, let's call them playing time, mature point guards and shooting guards, your team is going to be much, much more stable and takes a lot of pressure off the other people. So I was really, I was really surprised. The game, obviously, this week at Coppin was not really a game. They destroyed them in the second half. But I'm really interested in to see them play, as you mentioned, the St. Peter's and the Siennas of the world. Siena may be a little bit different, but the St. Peter's of the world, and even Monmouth as well. So let's see how they do there. I agree. I think you're absolutely right. Iona's in a good place right now, but we still got to see them play the better teams in their conference. All right, Kenny from Rye, as usual, terrific job. Uh, I'll talk to you in the coming days about college basketball by phone. All right, James. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Have a great, great, great time with your family. All right, folks. Commercial break time. We're about to come back to the final segment of College Troops Chat. You can call during the break at 636-0110. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. And before we go to our, our caller on the line, just want to point out what Kenny was talking about. Um, you know, how, how many, how different it is, the number of games between different programs. So Siena, uh, up by Albany, New York, uh, a rival of Iona College, hasn't played a game yet. St. Bonaventure, a school I root for, we talked about earlier in the show, they've only played two games. Uh, my son goes to the University of South Carolina. They've only played three games. I went to Buffalo Law School. Uh, they've only played five games. Uh, but Iona has played eight games. They're five and three. They've got eight games. Um, uh, another school that I keep an eye on because we uh, have a house down in North Carolina, Wilmington, down in Wilmington, uh, they played nine games. So you have some teams with zero games, other teams with nine games. Uh, Iona with eight games. So it's a very weird situation right now in college basketball. Some teams are having a lot of trouble getting the games in. Other teams are playing their games as scheduled. It's going to cause a lot of trouble uh, when we're trying to pick teams to go to the NCAA tournament because so many teams are going to play so uh, different schedules and different amounts of games. All right, so I got that out. Let's go to the phone line. Good evening. 
Hey, Jim, it's Peter from Bedford. First of all, happy holidays to you and your family. Same to you. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing very well, thanks. And I was listening earlier, you were talking about the SEC, and I, I, you, know, you mentioned Kentucky, and just your thoughts on why they've fallen off so much. I, I know they, they lose a lot of talent to the NBA every year, but, uh, but I've never seen them in the last 10 or 15 years drop this much, and just kind of their stature and the way they play. You know, talent they have on the teams, how they handle themselves on the court. It just seems very uncharacteristic for a team with that much talent, although young. I agree. And listen, I think, like, like, right, there's the one explanation that's kind of just sitting there that you can't help but say, right? And that is when you go with the one and done strategy, meaning you get the best freshmen in America and you start like three or four or five of them, like Kentucky's done for the last decade, right? Um, when the season is shortened and you lose a whole month of practice, uh, and you're getting shut down from time to time, or it's difficult to get practices in with the COVID and all the other problems the students are dealing with on campus. I think this is the hardest year ever to do the one-and-done strategy, don't you? I, know, I, I agree. I, I, th- I think you do need some level of experience. You know, I, I just Their talent level is so high, and just to, just to see them just... I, you know, watching that time, they seem lost on the court. But you know, maybe maybe you are correct. They just they needed months and months of work, and they just didn't get that time in this year. Listen, I'm pretty sure. Like when when I read stories about how much work these guys are doing, even in the summer months, even though they're not official practices and not NCAA correct. sanctioned practices, but they're on the court, they're playing. There's people out there watching, keep an eye on them. And then they get into September, right after school starts, they're already having official practices. By the time they get to November, they've had a lot of practice. That's not the case this year. I, I've seen it. I, you probably saw it too, Peter. A couple of teams that are pretty good. If you watch them, their first game. They looked lousy. Like uh, my son's school, University of South Carolina, they opened up against Liberty. Liberty was on their third game. South Carolina played their first game. Liberty looked so much better because they got to play uh, two games prior where South Carolina was just starting out. These teams are having a real problem. That's why I was a little worried. If you caught early in the show, we talked about St. Bonaventure. Yes. They're 2-0, they and oh, but they've, they're only 2-0. Oh. Yes. You, know, you know who hasn't? It looks like they're in mid. They, they almost look like they're in March form as Gonzaga. Oh God, are they good? I mean, they crush. You know, they, they crush, but they, they beat Iowa. They, you know, they beat Virginia handily. I mean, those are very, very good teams that they beat. Those are Final Eight, Sweet Sixteen type teams. Gonzaga is scary good, right? Scary good. They're seven and zero, and they they played this weekend Virginia, which is not their best team, but still a team that's going to compete for the ACC championship. Correct. And they blew them off the court, ninety eight to seventy five. Correct. So I agree with you, Peter. Uh, this is a really tough team uh, to beat. And now that, you know, they're not in a Power 5 conference. Their hardest games were in their non-conference schedule. They won them all. They, uh, now they go into their conference where uh, they're probably going to be heavily favored in every game. Look, anybody can get tripped up for a game, but it's pretty possible, right, that Gonzaga runs the table and goes into the NCAA tournament unbeaten. Uh, they'll, they'll be favored in every game. You yeah, favored in every game. They could be unbeaten, right? Yes, absolutely correct. So I want to wish you a happy new year because um, I think your next show would probably be in 2021. So happy new year to you as well, Jim. Happy new year, and thanks for being part of the show, Peter. I appreciate whatever you can call in. It's yeah. really nice to chat with you. Nice speaking with you, Will. Great. Well, thanks bye. so much. All right, folks, that's Peter from Bedford, and we appreciate his call. Uh, if anybody else wants to give us a call, the number here is 914 914- Six three six zero one one zero nine one four six three six zero one one zero. Give us a call. Uh, we can get you right on the air. You can talk about any college basketball issue uh, you're concerned about. So let me say a thank you for Derek Coward, who really. 
very, you know, very smart and concise and got right to the points about St. Bonaventure. I think we could learn a lot about the Bonnies tonight. Uh, it's pretty clear this is a strong team uh, that's in the top echelon of the Atlantic 10, which I believe is a, one of the best conferences in the country, not including in the Power 6. You know, we have the Power 5 for football, but it's Power 6 for basketball because you got to put the Big East in there. But, you know, uh, Atlantic 10 is like 7-8, something like that. You're 7 eight, nine. They're right there. You know, it's one of the better conferences. Uh, they're borderline um, uh, power conference uh, at the very top of what they call the mid-majors. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of St. Bonaventure there this year because they got three really good players. And it's nice to have three really good players uh, because one guy's in a slump, you got your other two guys out there. When you have a great superstar carrying a team, that superstar has a bad night, you could lose that night. Um, and that's not the case with St. Bonaventure. So I think they're, they're going to go on a really good run. The only problem with St. Bonaventure is uh, the Atlantic 10 is very strong this year. Um, St. Louis is terrific. I, I've caught them play uh, this season. They're terrific. I think, they're, I think they won, lost one game, but they're a very strong team. They look really good. Richmond looks really good. Uh, Dayton is always good, right? Dayton is always good in the Atlantic 10 Conference. That's some college basketball program. Uh, and then you got teams like VCU, Davidson, UMass, URI. They're all good. They're all very good basketball teams. There's no easy games in the Atlantic 10 this year. So uh, St. Bonaventure Bonnies are going to have a tough time uh, getting through the season. But they have the talent to make a run uh, to be in the Final Four uh, on the championship weekend of the Atlantic 10 in Brooklyn. Uh, and they could get in the Final Four, and they could, you know, make a... Uh, I'm not going to call them upsets, because I don't think it's such an upset if St. Bonaventure beats a St. Louis, Dayton, or Richmond. Uh, they can beat one of those teams, end up in the Finals, one game away from the NCAA tournament. Um, and as Derek said properly, uh, it may be difficult uh, for schools that didn't get to play non-conference games, like St. Bonaventure, to get in the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid, because they didn't have enough games uh, and they don't have other games playing teams with other conferences that gives the selection committee a chance to kind of see what the team's all about. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, St. Bonaventure is really going to mostly be their conference schedule. So they're going to, I think, kind of have to win the Atlantic 10 to go to the NCAA tournament, but we'll see, right? Um, we talked about Gonzaga. Here's a, t- here's a team that nobody talks about. Here's a team in America that's 10 and 0. Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference. Drake, they're, they've won 10 games. They haven't lost a game. Um, and they won all their games by double digit. So keep an eye on Drake. That might be one of those great mid-major teams that no one talked about at the beginning of the season. But now, uh, as the season moves along, uh, they are really good. Uh, we've talked a lot on this show about the Big Ten um, and it's still going to be, uh, a, I think a lot of Big Ten teams are going to go to the NCAA tournament because the conference is that good. Um, but we'll see. Uh, here's a team to think about. How good are the Colorado Buffaloes? I don't think anyone quite knows for sure yet, but their coaches put together a pretty good team that started the season 6-1. and one. Uh, They're playing tonight against Arizona. Now, Arizona is a very strong program, so that'll be a good test to see uh, about a team like the Colorado Buffalo, some team that just pops out, uh, and it's going to get real hard real fast for Colorado. They're playing Arizona, um, and then this weekend, uh, they'll play, uh, later this week, they'll play USC, and then on Saturday, UCLA. So quickly we find out how good a team is like Colorado. Um, 
Kentucky, we've talked about. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with Kentucky, do we, right? Uh, they're not playing well. Uh, they are not winning games. Uh, the the uh, sword John Calipari complaining that he scheduled too hard a schedule for his young team. Uh, you know, it, this could be a year where it's hard to believe when you have that much talent, but Kentucky may not go to, to the NCAA tournament. I think at this point, they're going to have to win the uh, SEC tournament, which they could, but there's still going to be a lot of good teams uh, that can stop them from doing that. All right, here's a conference that we don't talk about enough this year because it's so confusing what's going on in that conference. Uh, the ACC, it's kind of up for grabs, right? Um, the top programs, we always talk about the Duke and the North Carolina uh, and the Virginia. Uh, they are really not playing their best basketball right now. Uh, if you watch them play, they don't look like a powerhouse. Is there a powerhouse team in the ACC this year? Or are there a lot of very good teams that are going to kind of uh, battle against each other? And there's going to be a lot of, everyone's going to have a bunch of losses. And we'll see what happens in their conference tournament. But this is not the best ACC we've seen in a while. Uh, we still, look, there's still a lot of talent in the ACC, a lot of good teams. But right now, um, I don't know who the best team is in the ACC. I don't think anyone does. And no team has jumped out. So watch the ACC this year. That's a conference that's completely up for grabs. All right, so there's the music. I'll close with that. We should talk more about the ACC coming up. I think I'm going to get a caller to call in and talk about the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm a fan, and I'd love to talk about them on the show. So I'm going to work on that. All right, I'm Jim Maysano. This is College Hoops Chat Radio Show. I uh, had another great time chatting with all the guests. I appreciate the calls. I really enjoy uh, coming in every Monday night to talk about college basketball. I, and I appreciate everyone who's following us on the radio and following us on the website at collegehoopschat.com. All right, I'm Jim Maysano. Happy New Year. We'll be back next year in 2021 to talk about college basketball next Monday night at 8 o'clock. I'm Jim Maysano. Have a great week. Two, two, two.